0: You're listening to the Alchemy of Self podcast with Zah. The world is currently in a state of rebirth. All of the systems we have inherited are collapsing and failing us as a species. It's time for us to come together and create something out of nothing. If you crave deeper purpose, unshakable strength, and a life aligned with your truth, this is for you. This is for you if you are curious and not afraid to ask questions. This podcast is for those searching for their purpose and those ready to step into their full potential. For lovers of truth and those ready for masculine medicine, this podcast is an adventure that gives voice to a journey of healing, discovery, and embodiment. We'll challenge the old narratives we inherited and forge a new path. Join us in this fearless exploration of the multiple dimensions of being human, breathwork, mindset, healing the body, Detox and how to use the gentle way of jujitsu to make you unstoppable in your wellness, business, life, relationships, and more.
1: Welcome back to Our Deepest Fear with me, Romza, or Roman Zarodjansky, or Joshua, or Tyler, whatever. Whatever you want to call me, you can call me as long as you keep listening to this podcast. So today I have a very special guest. He does a lot of stuff. Uh, His name is Vernon T. Foster II. You know this is a serious man by his name. He is a second. That is incredible. He's no stranger to adventure and defying convention. Uh, Vernon Foster is building a bridge between worlds, people, and cultures through leveraging technology, the spoken word, and the pen. When the world valued specialization, he sought to become a generalist. Vernon opted to treat his twenties and early thirties as an experiment for building skills and honing his personal philosophy. Little did he know nor envision that his lifestyle would serve as a catalyst for creating a global movement and framework that would inspire others to follow suit. In the last 18 years, Vernon's knack for adventure has led him to start in an entertainment business in 19, two stints living in Central and South America becoming an award-winning speaker, DJing, emceeing world-famous EDM parties, and moving to NYC with two suitcases to help build a tech startup. His work has been featured on Entrepreneur, General Assembly, The Good Men Project, and Podcast Movement. Lastly, Vernon is the host of a weekly podcast, I Want to Be Famous, where he mentors a community of game-changing young people seeking to develop diverse career skills and dormant talents for doing good in this world. I'd like to welcome Vernon T. Foster II. Very, very serious
2: man. (laughs) <laughs> sounds so serious, man. Bro, Thank you, Bro, it sounds
1: serious. Like, you know, I'm an immigrant. We don't have seconds. We don't have thirds. Like, we just got here. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? So, like, we don't have seconds. So, it's like when I hear somebody with, like, a second or a third or, like, the ninth in his name, I'm like, that is a serious
2: dude. Like, there's two of them, <laughs> you know? I have, like, the perfect name for a politician if I ever decide mm-hmm. to run for office. It's like, sounds like an old white dude. Vernon T.
1: Bro, you definitely sound like an old white dude. <laughs> if he is anything but he's actually a young black dude. So um, very different. But in some way, same. <laughs> <laughs> you got to really tell me, where did you stay in Central and South America? And how long did you live there?
2: Uh, Yeah. So first, my first kind of intro to just like the idea of international travel was something I think we overlap with this Costa Rica. So that has a special place in my heart. Um, But I lived in Guatemala, and I lived for a month, and then I lived in um, Colombia for three months. And in Colombia, I was in Guatemala, I was in Antigua, and in Colombia, I was in uh, Medellin, Cali, and the El Cafetera, the coffee triangle down there. I love it.
1: Did you fall in love?
2: Bro, I shouldn't have came back, man.
1: <laughs> All right, tell me about that. Like, what did you fall in love with? Like, what were the moments <sighs> where you were like,
2: fuck, I'm in love? Uh just a, was a couple of moments. I think the, the, the first one was just the ease at which, like, I felt like life was there. Like, it was just, I don't mean, know, you can probably say this for a lot of Central and South America. It was very, like, relaxed kind of you know they call it like tranquilo you know the tranquilo life or whatever like it's just more laid back it's not in your face and like gotta do it now it's like yeah man i need my door fixed it might not get fixed until like next week and you know what i'm perfectly okay with that shit because it's just the door i got better things to do like just chill on this beach <laughs> and relax although medellin is not by a beach but i think um predominantly the culture Uh, it's a very stark contrast to like what i grew up with here in america and um colombians just every everything is just so passionate from the food to the dance to you know to the music everything's just like it's, it's just like raw it's just like it exudes like just like fun in life so you did a lot of dancing Tell me about that. Hey man, I was uh, I, I I was like, yo, I'm gonna be the young Rico Suave when I get out here. I'm gonna do some salsa, and then I went in and I was like, damn, I cannot you really, dance. You were
1: the Carlton. You were the Carlton,
2: <laughs> bro. I was the Carlton for sure. I was the Carlton of <laughs> Medellin. I thought I could dance. I thought, and I'm generally a good dancer, but yo. Colombians, bro, they just like, when you just feel embarrassed, you're just like, I'm just going to go in the corner and watch like the eighth grade middle school dance or whatever, you know, just going to like stand in the corner. I did that. (laughs) I did that one night. I was just, I'm just going to watch in awe because these people are like so good. And like, I feel like I cannot even do that. And then I worked up enough confidence to get out there and do my thing, do my two-step, do my Carlton. And it worked out. But yeah, I mean it's a, it's a it's a significant part of the culture salsa dancing. I love you, bro. Can I <laughs> are
1: you are you open to a diff- like a different perspective? Sure. Always. There's a lot of people that think they could fight like they have uh natural abilities. Uh-huh. They they're born maybe stronger, maybe they had weaker opponents, they think they can fight. Until they walk into an MMA gym and then No matter how good you thought you were at street fighting with your natural abilities and no practice, you realize that you are a child (laughs) in the hands of a bear, even if the bear is a tenth of your size.
2: Does that make sense? Oh, one thousand percent. You
1: literally, you can dance in comparison to when you compare. Mm hmm right like when you're comparing to people around you you're like i can dance i'm a good dancer naturally mm-hmm. but unless you've used your life to practice a specific skill you're going to be worse at that skill than the person that's been practicing it no matter what your natural abilities were they can only take you so far one of my early mentors used to say hard work beats talent when talent doesn't want to work hard
2: mhm i love that quote
1: yeah I mean, and bro, honestly, you're one of the most talented dudes I know. Like, honestly, like, I'm not joking. Like, there's people like they like you can tell like they they have that thing. like They're talented. And that quote, like, if you ink that shit on your heart, you will achieve everything that you've ever set out to achieve. Because I've coached you for how many months? How many months were we gone for the coaching? It was
2: almost uh, January. Start in January,
1: like six, six to eight months. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So where it falls apart, brother, is the work hard with an intention Mm -hmm. because you have all of the talent, all of the abilities, bro. You have more talent than anybody that's walked into that building probably. But unless it's honed, focused, it's the rays of the sun versus a magnifying glass. You know, like it could be magnified and set on fire, bro. Otherwise, it's just going to be on low heat forever. Yeah. I mean, you're the man, bro, you know, but like it's that growth thing. Like you're not any worse than those dudes. You're incredible. You're you. You're probably better than those dudes because you just said something that like really hurt my heart. This is why I went on this tirade just now. You said I, I couldn't I couldn't even imagine myself doing that or, or something along those lines.
2: Mm -hmm. yes yeah yeah yeah
1: and it like hurt me because i know that you could you just never never gave it enough you
2: no i I think there's a lot of truth to that um and uh you know kind of this is something we've talked about like was it the phrase you coined or it was vulnerability endurance yes and uh that's something i've been chewing on right like just like I I have a tendency. Well, one, two things. I think it's twofold. It's kind of a duality. Uh, I think that's would be the right terminology. But uh, on one hand, like I, there's this like always seeking of the new of novelty, and like this craving for something like a new challenge. And then on the one hand, there's like the things that go undone, right? Like the half. That like the, the 90% projects are in, in the graveyard, right? In the project graveyard that have never gotten completed because I gave up too early. And it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't like that there was a lack of talent. It was just like a lack of focus or intention, as I like to say. Not even a goal, but just the right in, right intention. And I think the right framework that works for me and not just a kind of one size fits all kind of jockstrap. Yeah. Yeah. Like your own creation. Yeah. Or, or something that works for my, for who I am and like me not having to, for example, here's something I've been thinking about. It's like, there's a lot of like success. You know, you got to wake up at five thirty a.m. every morning. If you want to be successful, I'm like, I don't like getting up that early. <laughs> <It> kind of sucks. <laughs> I'm a late yeah. guy, right? Like, what if I like to stay up late and work late? Does that, you know, like, there's this whole idea of, like, what success means to, like, I heard you talking about this in your podcast, like, your your vision book and stuff, and I don't know, I think I'm just, like, I'm okay with ha- doing things my way more now than I think I was before. A lot of the work that I've done this year or before I was like, I got to be somebody else. Now I'm just kind of like stripping everything away. It's like, what is not me? Is this not me? Is this something else that I picked up? That's somebody else thought that I should be doing. So yeah, that's what I've been playing with. All right. So
1: I'm going to segue a little bit. Uh, You didn't mention anything about you playing professional rugby. Lacrosse lacrosse i'm sorry yeah 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 you know what? you know what's crazy is like lacrosse and rugby literally occupy the same mental space for me because i have like i just know like rugby's super hardcore that's it that's all i know about it i have no i've never i honestly bro i've never watched sports game of anything in my entire life what
2: i've never watched like a
1: ball game you gotta Um, you
2: gotta intentionally go out of your way to like not be able to do that yeah <laughs> you gotta like not have tvs and shit i don't have tvs you didn't have tvs growing up at all
1: i mean when I, I grew up on on the streets bro like i legit like did not spend any time at home sheesh like i'm i'm like a first gen i'm not even a first generation my kids are first generation immigrant like growing up in brooklyn my parents were always working I'm not going to sit at home and watch fucking TV if my parents are working. I'm going out to do hood rat shit with my friends. <laughs> I'm going to chase girls and fucking smoke cigarette butts that I find at the park and smoke weed. Like, that's what I wanted to do when I was a kid. I wasn't trying to watch no fucking TV. <laughs> Fuck out of here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> In that case, yeah, that makes sense. But no, never. But but, never. That's, but I guess the exception here is like, you watch UFC shit,
1: right? mm. Only because that's, like, literally like what I wanted to do. Strange. Like, I've, I've always wanted to fight. Like, ever since I was a kid, I just didn't even realize it. Did you get into a lot of fights growing up? Oh, my God. So many fights, bro. Like, where I'm from is, like, the most machismo masculine uh, country on the planet, I think. At least top three ever.
2: I don't even... I think... Do you think people think that you're not, like... Do people think like you're Spanish or do you ever oh, get mistaken for like another?
1: Are you are you asking me if people think I'm ethnic? <laughs> That's a real question, right? Do people think you are non white? <laughs> like, they um, might be confused, man. They are so confused, bro. People have no clue what I am. Because they don't even know where it is, even if I told them, so that, that doesn't even give them an image in their heads. Right. Like if I tell them that it's like a country. That re- closest resembles like a Sparta-like nation. There would be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Are you from Puerto Rico? <laughs> like people don't fucking like it doesn't it doesn't register, bro. I believe like, it. Most, most human beings have never even left the country. Like what what the fuck can they um, even envis- envision it to? You know.
2: That's true. That's true. Especially Americans specifically i think
1: yeah all right so let's talk about
2: lacrosse bro yeah yeah lacrosse by the way um yeah so this is i grew up playing lacrosse uh i funny story i played football i started playing football i was like six so we're near doing hood rat on the the, hood rat shit on the streets i was (laughs) i was playing flag football uh in the suburbs and So I played all the way up until, I played all the way up throughout high school, but my freshman year of high school, I couldn't play lacrosse. I'm sorry, I couldn't play football because I had like a 1.8 GPA. So my GPA wasn't even like strong enough. That was like one of the requirements. You had to have a 2.0. And my English teacher was like, yo, you should check out this game lacrosse. It's pretty cool. Like it's, it's hot, it's, it's popping. He didn't say it like that, Um, and I was like, I don't know. I, don't, I never heard of no lacrosse, man. What is that? And he's like, check it out. So he puts on this like highlight film of somebody who was at the school or whatever. And I'm like, this is kind of dope. It's kind of like football with lacrosse, with like rugby, with hockey. And I got into playing uh, because I couldn't play football. And I remember like the first game that we played, it was kind of like a scrimmage I ran out on the field and I cracked the dude upside the head with a stick baseball style and just like cracked him. And then I they sent me to the penalty box. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, yo, you told me I can just hit him with the stick. What do you mean? He's like, no, 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 no. That's not what I said. You have to like cross. It's like a cross. It's like in hockey, you have to have both of your hands together on the stick. Wait, before you check them. And, uh, that's like a body check. That's, that's like, if you don't, it's a cross check and you get a penalty. So, uh, that was kind of my first foray into lacrosse, and and I hadn't. I played a little bit in college at FSU for a club team, very briefly, and then uh, up in like this year, I just you know after you know working a lot of the work that we did, you know something just came up, and I was like, in my childhood, I was like, what's something crazy that I always wanted to do that was just like, you know, when we're younger, we're like we have these big grandiose dreams. You know, I always thought I would be a professional athlete. I'd play, you know, college ball, at FSU, maybe go to the league. Back then, it was like the Cowboys, you know, Emmitt, Dion, Jerry uh, Rice, 49ers. I was like, maybe I'll go and play in the league. And that was like a dream I had always to play professional sports. And then the pandemic hit. And I was like, you know what? What's something just stupid, ridiculous that I can aim for? That would take a lot of work and that would give me the ability to just take my just take it to the next level like my health, my mindset, my belief, everything and I settled on playing professional lacrosse. so I've been training since th- I've basically made that decision uh, up until now that was like mid-April 2020.
1: <clears throat> I love it
2: bro. What what does your training look like? Uh, nothing crazy of what you be doing. You be doing some crazy stuff. You be like, I see you with the Raiden thing. He has this for the people that are listening. He has this like Raiden hat that has like weights on it, and you can see him like swinging around his neck. I ain't doing nothing crazy like that. But I've uh, I'm doing ladder drills, uh, going to the wall. I've been. I just got back. I was doing some suicide sprints with cones, hitting those up, and then. I did some of your resistance stuff. I need to get back into uh, doing some of that. My friend Ronnie, he's here. He's going to be training me in Brooklyn. Uh, we're going to be going to the park doing some some resistant band stuff. I uh, just I finally got some kettlebells, even though there's like a shortage right now. So I finally nice got some kettlebells. You get them. Rogue, rogue. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I looked on. i sure up. Looked on on it, but they didn't.
1: They were out. Nice. I mean, Rogue, Rogue's great stuff. Rogue's got great stuff. On it's got great stuff. There's a lot of companies out there now that like make great stuff.
2: That's, it's not anything crazy, but I think, I think the biggest thing too, I was, I was thinking about this the other day. It's like visualizing myself as the athlete again, like the athlete's mindset, right? Cause it's not just how do you go from spending 12 hours a day in front of a computer to like reimagining yourself as this like person who, is, you know, is, you know, taking the field, running out, you know, the tunnel with the smoke and the lights and the crowd and the, let's go. Like getting back into that, that state of mind or that, and then visualizing myself as that person, even just being like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm playing in the pl in 2021. And just with that, with that confidence and with the belief and you know, when people, it's just like, well, that's what I'm doing now. I'm an athlete. I'm a professional athlete. Just owning it because I believe that it starts in the mind before it happens in the physical reality. So that's a, that's what I've been, that's been part of my training too, just as much as the physical workout stuff.
1: I love it. What, what books, are you reading any books on this?
2: Uh, on Get Unfitness and look, or um, Lacrosse.
1: Or what? Well, you started talking about mindset. So I was... uh. I, I switched over to that mentally. (laughs) I think I actually think that where you just went is really important, Mm -hmm. uh, for those of you that are trying to be athletes or entrepreneurs or anything important in your lives, uh, mindset and the psychology behind who we are is really important thing to study and to be able to visualize yourself, having it, doing it, being it, um, before you have it, do it, be it is, uh, one of the most important things that you can possibly ever do, barring uh, editing your genetics.
2: You can do that? Editing your genetics?
1: yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, actually, I actually have a book for you, you do? that I think will change your entire life. Drop it. Uh, uh, I just, I can't give it to you right now because I can't think of it. But I, I will add it's it hanging. to the show notes. I will add it to the show notes. And when it, when this comes out, like when you guys are listening to it, it's, it's going to be a really powerful book to read on mindset.
2: I am, um, leaving us on the cliffhanger. I am reading conversations with God. Have you read that?
1: Yeah, I've read all of them many times.
2: Oh my gosh. Talk to me. I've just, I've never listened to an audio book like that. I'm not, I guess I should say I'm not reading it. I'm listening to it on audio. And I've never listened to an audiobook where I'm just like listening and it just stops me in my tracks and I'm like, oh shit. Just the beliefs, I guess, that it's challenging, um, the the common ideologies that are rooted in religion and like, you know, like, for example, why, you know, why do bad things happen? Why do earthquakes and famine and right? Like, why do these ha- things happen, Right. In this conversation, the the author is having with God and is asking these questions and some things that I often thought about, or like the concept of hell, right? Like I remember growing up because uh, I grew up in a very religious, you know, Southern Baptist. Um, my mom actually would send us to church every Sunday. Um, and so this, I always had this thing in the back of my head and I was like, it was like, you're going to go to hell if you're not this or you're not, I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Like for somebody who is a good person, you know, and they never like did anything wrong. I don't, doesn't seem like they deserve to go to hell, you know, or like if they are a different, religion, like if they're a Muslim, right? Like, do they just go to hell? Like it just, it just didn't work for me, you know? Uh, among many other things that I questioned, but it just it just didn't seem like it all added up. So these are some of the conversations that the author's having uh, with you know you know God, uh, and just it's it's just it's so much to unpack. Those are just some things that come to mind. Um, completely ha- has nothing to do with lacrosse, I guess. And it has uh, with everything
1: the, to do with lacrosse.
2: Well, how do you challenge that
1: because everything is has everything to do with everything okay like it, everything is connected by a very invisible some might say red thread mm. everything is connected like okay. your your vision your perspective on religion god spirituality is directly related to who you are and who you mm. are is directly related to lacrosse and everything else that you desire because everything that you desire desires you and as long as you start stepping towards it it will meet you where it needs to meet you
2: yeah no that's uh yeah i i feel that for sure everything
1: that you uh, desire desires you yeah it's uh conversations with god definitely has uh the potential to be an earthquake book
2: what does that mean To shake your fucking world. (laughs) (laughs) What's the most profound book that you've ever read to date? That's
1: a, that's a, that's a loaded question. It's impossible to answer because each book, uh, each moment has the capacity to be the most profound, Mm. uh, thing that I read, do, be, think, Uh, At any given moment. And they all kind of build on each other. And it's hard to compare. Um, But I I can name some earthquake books. But I I don't know any. I I can't name the most. Does that make sense? Sure. Uh, uh, Think and Grow Rich. That's like one of the foundational books. Uh, And even more so. um, Outwitting the Devil. his, uh, His last work that was released. Way after his death apparently because his wife was scared that the church or the government would kill them for what they released um in that book especially the audiobook it's an incredible audiobook um the man was way before his time he was connected to some sort of energy that that many uh of the saints and enlightened men connected to and um he he figured out ways to channel those energies what else? What other books? Um, I mean, by Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. That was a very powerful book that really resonated with my soul. Uh, a book that I constantly re- like think about, that I read in my early years, that had a really incredible impact on me, was this guy named Robert Ferrigno, I believe, and he had a book called Prayers for the Assassin. And the book is like almost like a futuristic, almost sci-fi book where half of the United States is Muslim and the rest of the country, well, more than half is Muslim and like extremist and the Bible and and then they have the Bible Belt. And then there's like these wars going on amongst these two parties. Like it's not Democrats and Republicans anymore. It's Muslims and uh, Christians and uh it's just like a trippy book i read it like 20 years ago uh it might be due for a reread so that that i don't know why it just had like this profound effect on me uh visualizing like how crazy that person was tuned into something you know um yeah i mean those are about it outside of like Things that I study, you know, I study a lot of stuff, so I have a lot of like profound books in their own ways, in those very micro niches. But um, those three were very significant for me that I can think of. So, yeah, and and a lot of like, uh, you know, no, there's another one. Uh, there's Anthony Mello's book, which was really powerful for me. It was called Awareness. He's a uh, yes. Uh, He's a priest. Amazing! Uh, I have that. Mm-hmm. Amazing book. He has another one uh, called "How to Love." I think that one is really good. Uh, Don Miguel Ruiz's books are amazing. Um, the Mastery of Love was incredible. Uh, man! I j- just like woke up and I was like, "All right, books, books, books." You know, like the brain was just like books, 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 and yeah. I mean, bro, I, I can sit here for days. Uh, uh, talking to you about books. I, I read so much. Uh so 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 much. So
2: yeah. You're, you're like uh you're like a like a sensei. I am a sensei, literally.
1: Like uh that's what I've been doing for the last twelve plus years.
2: When I when I even like your name, like when I heard your name or like when I would see you like online, I was like, he's like almost like a like a like a Master Splinter type vibe. I don't know if you watched the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> of course but, I did, bro. In uh,
1: between doing Hood rat shit, I watched Ninja Turtles and X-Men. And Power Rangers the first season, but after that it got whack.
2: It got whack, yeah. When the Green Ranger came in, he started fucking shit up.
1: So White Ranger was dope, too.
2: Yeah, White Ranger was dope.
1: Black Ranger was dope, too, bro. <laughs>
2: Gotta have a. They had to have a token black girl. Dude.
1: They had everybody. They had like they had the black guy. They had the Asian girl. They had the pink white girl. They had the blue nerdy dude. And then they had the white ranger and green ranger. And there was the same guy He was just like schizophrenic or something, <laughs> uh, and he couldn't figure out if he was white or green, which is a really interesting question for today's day where people are like figuring out who they are. So for maybe sure, that was the beginning of it. Tommy. Tommy the green slash white Ranger, yeah, we're in an interesting time now, bro. We're in an interesting time where sure. we all get to figure out not just who we were in the past, not just who we are right now, but who do we want to be in the future mm. and it's a really interesting time, it's a really volatile time, uh, but you know it's a very necessary time in a lot of ways because. That external turmoil, that friction, is what makes diamonds.
2: That's a that's a good way of looking at it. You seem to like be you seem to be like unshaken or unmoved, or maybe I don't maybe it's just that like you don't you don't express your opinions much on kind of like the external um like what goes on. How do you stay grounded or like I'm I'm sure you don't watch the news. I'm sure you don't like so you tune that kind of stuff out. But like how do you how are you like just not affected by anything that goes on around you?
1: I just stay like in my lane and I I meditate, I pray. I do what I, w- I want to do, what I desire to do. I show love to my people, white, yellow, green, black, orange, red. I don't, it doesn't matter, you know, like love is love for me. And uh, most importantly, even before all of that, like I show love to myself, like I truly love myself. And to love myself is to express myself uh, in a way that is aligned with who I am at this moment. And uh, anything that goes on externally and around me, I know that it's, it's only temporary. And I'm only temporary. And if it doesn't matter five years, 10 years, one year down the line, why should it matter now? Why should I go against anything when going against something just makes it push back? there's nothing to go against because all of this external is just a representation of the turmoil that I have inside of myself. So what opinion can I possibly have if I'm just me? Like, I don't know what I am and where I came from and where I'm going. None of us do. And I don't have any need or desire to control or manipulate or or hurt anyone so i don't and in order to not i had to not do it to myself more than anyone because i was just hurting myself the way that i would speak to myself the way that i would criticize myself the way that i would self-hate self-love and i didn't even realize it and Now I practice self-love because I have a lot of years uh, to catch up with. (laughs) For for a long time, I hated myself in a lot of ways, and I didn't even realize it because the whole world hates itself. Mm -hmm. And um, well, humanity at least, (laughs) because that's what I felt inside. And that's what I was taught by society is to hate myself, to criticize myself, to you know we're we live in an interesting time. It's uh, you're you're too this. You're too black. You're too white. You're too fat. You're too thin. Your your dick is too small. Your dick is too big. You're too athletic. You're not athletic enough. You're too smart. You're not smart enough. You're you don't got. You're too rich, or you're not rich enough. You're too successful. You're not successful enough. You're too famous. You're not famous enough. You're too public, you're too private, you're too this, you're too that. I'm tired, bro. I'm tired of I'm tired of fighting something that doesn't require fighting. Because the more I fight it, the more fire I throw on it. Muddy water was never cleared by splashing into it. Muddy water was brought up by the splash, but it was never cleared by more splashing. Mm. So I choose my life. I choose to live my life or this life or a life. I don't know whose life it is, (laughs) but I choose to live in a way that's aligned with the laws of nature, the laws of like the universe, you know, like what I feel, not the laws of or the rules of society, like the unwritten rules. I'm not going to hurt anybody. Like I don't do silly shit, but the unwritten rules of like, hate yourself, buy more stuff. You are nothing unless you buy this or that. And like, nah, bro,
2: I'm not playing that game. Do you, do you think that's that? Uh, I mean, you've done a lot of work to get there. Like you've done this shit for a long time. Um, do you think achieving the level of success that you have, uh, from a monetary standpoint, allows you to allow has allowed you the freedom to kind of adapt that mindset and belief. Or do you feel like it's something that anybody can have at any point in time? I guess no. More so from your perspective, I guess not. It fuck everybody else. We're talking about you. But like, do you think kind of going back to my question, do you think like having success in as an entrepreneur has given you the, the space, um, the time to kind of evaluate that and be like, okay, this is my lane and this is what I'm, this is my belief system.
1: It's a great question. I'm going to come right back to it. What made you start traveling? Like, what did you read? What inspired you that you wanted to start traveling that you realized you can do the digital nomad thing and uh, just do, do like life on your terms, more or less? Like, what, what sparked that?
2: Um, I think there's this, even when I was younger, I just I grew up in a very small town. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seemed you ever see the Truman Show? Uh, yeah, yeah, crazy. So That's where was- you grew up, like, like a place like that. I mean, not exactly. I knew, like that. I, knew it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I fucking knew it. Fucking <laughs> knew it, man. I knew it, man. I knew this. But it's it was it seemed like very put together and perfect, and like yeah. very boring, very monotonous, very structured, very manicured vanilla, vanilla for sure. And I you know like i always just uh envi- like i just envisioned myself as like just being exploring like i was, I was like is there there's got to be more than this or this is if this is it fuck man give me my money back cuz <laughs> <laughs> i got fucked <laughs> so just this idea of just just like knowing that there's other stuff out there that i haven't seen like this yearning for adventure uh, like the Alchemist, one of my favorite books, um, kind
1: of me like- too. Me too. Yes. That's another one. That's an earth shaker for like an earthquake book for me, bro.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Go <laughs> uh,
2: but that, that, that kind of like follow the omens. And one of my best friends, uh, it's funny. I, I totally forgot about this. One of my best friends, Brittany Burrell, her mom's brother, um, like he fucking just like this dude just like one day built a boat and just like sailed like across the Caribbean. He was just like, fuck it. I'm going to just build a boat and just sail. And I was like, I remember hearing this story at her, I think it was her birthday party and high school or her graduation party or something. And I was like, fuck. Yeah. That sounds epic. Like that sounds like a really cool life. Like if that guy died on the boat, like, he like died doing some really fun shit and like he didn't just like die like in his home in the suburbs like choking on like a hot dog or something stupid like he actually like lived you know it it sounded more fun
1: yeah but like uh did you read any books or something that like helped progress you on that journey
2: uh, yeah, there was, there was a few that like made me think it was just kind of, sh- kind of shifted my perspective and like mm-hmm. helped me believe that. For sure. Uh, and then there was another one by R- Roth Potts. The Vagabond book? Yeah, The Vagabond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was. Because
1: uh, Tim Ferriss recommended it on 4 work. Of course. You know. That's why uh, we yeah. read it. Uh,
2: yeah. Uh And then. Was there anything else? I don't think there was any other. Oh, when I was in college, uh, one of my kind of like easy like GPA booster classes. I don't know. I know you. You didn't go to school, right? So I, right, I went to seven years of college, motherfucker. Did you? Street?
1: Street? Did you? Nah, bro. Yeah, I, I'll tell you about it afterwards.
2: Okay. Ahead. Okay. Uh, but this is like anyone who's gone any, anybody who's like gone to school knows that you you kind of um take a like a a class to help boost your gpa like your senior you just kind of take fuck around classes you do or you do or i do just like if you're in college like you can take like electives or whatever like you can be like yo i'm gonna take basket weaving you know it's because you have like a really hard class and then you can balance it out with like something easy i
1: actually majored in underwater basket weaving
2: I believe it, bro. But uh, one of my electives was this uh, world world travel, like it was like world cultures or something. I don't even fucking remember the name of the class. But the um, my professor looked just like the dude from the Dos Equis commercial, bro. Fuck, the most interesting man in the world. Most this any that the and today class we're going to with like a Spanish with like more of a Spanish. Oh, that dude used get
1: so much pussy, probably, bro. So much. So I'm just imagining, like, he used to clean up those young girls with daddy issues in college. <laughs> clean the fuck up. That's why he was a college professor, bro. Probably why. But... He probably had like a thin mustache on his pubes. <laughs> that's how sexy he was, bro. Uh,
2: that's hilarious. A uh, very attractive, uh, uh a very attractive older man, and. Um, I'm, I'm a heterosexual male and I can say that he was, he was definitely in a, he looks, I mean,
1: we're all a little gay, bro. So I
2: guess, I mean, maybe you are, but who knows, who knows? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, you're the one who's calling this man attractive but, and then stating
1: how, how heterosexual you are. <laughs> Disclaimer, boys and girls, I am a heterosexual male. <laughs> it's not gay if he blows me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't, I don't care what anybody says the Doxeky's man is good looking. So Oh, he for sure is. Um yeah, but he had been to like this dude had been to like 50 countries, probably had like some illegitimate kids somewhere, I don't know. Um but he was like I told him I was going to Costa Rica my senior year and he was like definitely do it. Like if you like if you need to just like take a couple weeks off class, just write a report and you're good, bro. Just like go. And he he was kind of like the last push to like get me out there actually that was before i read the four hour work week in vagabonding but he was kind of like the final push
1: wow i mean that's an incredible like man for sure. like that that's that's some serious work bro i mean for traveling is a huge perspective shifter. Like most people in the U S have never traveled outside of the U.S. I I think the number is crazy. It's like more than half of the people in the U S don't even have a passport.
2: Yeah. It's stupid. It's stupid.
1: I mean, it is what it is, but like it it lacks perspective, you know, stupid is just our interpretation, you know? Yeah. But
2: I, 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 I do, I do feel like, uh, and, and maybe you can attest to this. Like, do you feel like since you've, you know, well, obviously being an immigrant, it's a little different, but, um, cause you already have an international, you already have kind of like a, you're already growing up in a, with a background that's beyond the American.
1: Bro, the, con- the country where I'm from was having a fucking, uh, war. what do you call it? Uh, like a gen- like a genocide and civil war. Uh, so my, that's my other perspective. So it's like, I probably wouldn't want to travel. <laughs> Oh, okay, like, oh, I'm good here in the U.S. Never mind, it's fucking perfect. I might be more locked in than most of like the Americans. Okay, I don't know. This is perfect. <laughs> it could get worse.
2: <laughs> Not going anywhere? Okay, so yeah, you're right. Um, but I guess I guess where I was going with that was that like I think for the people who at least have traveled, it gives them a little bit more perspective than what like you know than just your vanilla stereotypical um, American dream kind of, you just see the world a little bit differently and you have a little bit more appreciation for different people, cultures. Um, at least that's been my experience. I don't know.
1: Yeah. You start to realize that there's more than one way because our whole lives were like, because we grew up like with our family and then with school and then with, uh, politics or whatever, the neighborhood, the borough, the whatever. Um, and like, we learn that there's like one way or two ways, or three ways, but not that there's a multitude of infinite ways, that there is no way. Mm. There's no way. There's so many ways that there is no way. All right, so coming back to your question, um, so I'm going to see if I understand it correctly. You're asking me if entrepreneurship, like becoming successful as an entrepreneur, uh, gave me the freedom that I wanted.
2: The fr- more so, the freedom to
1: to be unfuckable with or unshakable. Well, yes. was that like from well, the original question?
2: Yeah. Well, so like with you know, like I I imagine with success in business has given you the opportunity to create the space to explore like freedom and your belief systems and even like you know training, right? Like, just how like how important was that? for you to be able to get to where you're at that piece to where you to get to where you are right now Uh, okay
1: uh in my personal journey uh very important and 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 not important at all Mm. what the realization was was that like I thought that I had to have that in order to get to there but I real like so I thought that the key to my freedom, right? Because that's what we're talking about, freedom.
2: Right. Yes? Correct.
1: The key to my freedom was through making lots of monies. That's what I thought. So I made lots of monies. I mean, relatively, right? I made lots of monies, a lot more monies than I had before. (laughs) Um, And then I realized that like there my cage that i was in it was just a bigger cage like when i left that cage i just walked into a bigger cage
2: mm. so you have more room but you're still in a cage
1: yeah like i had a golden hamster cage <laughs> that i created for myself not the world myself i haven't worked i've never worked a real job or so i've never had a job which is too. so
2: fascinating by the way i've
1: had like little Yeah, we can come back to that if you want. But like, I've never had a job, like a real job. I pretty much started off as an entrepreneur. So I didn't understand, like, I didn't know the game. Like, I thought that the game was this, but it was actually something else. What I realized recently, because I sold my company last year, about a few months, like 14 months ago, 15 months ago. Mm
0: -hmm. And when the
1: money hit the account, and I realized that I'm debt free and that I have some monies to play around with, uh i thought that it would make me happy but i wasn't happy i was actually crying in my bathtub mm. like i was laying there crying uncontrollably in my bathtub listening to peter gabriel never give up and every time the chorus would hit i would just start bawling and the bathtub was empty and it was still warm and i and i had this like realization where it was just like Fuck, it has nothing to do with the money. Like, it has everything to do with the money until it doesn't have anything to do with the money. Like, the money always shows up. Like, when you're ready, it just kind of finds its way to you. I don't know if that's been the case for you, but it's been the case for me my whole life. Like, I've always been abundant than more than enough. And the universe has always given me as much as I've needed. God, universe, whatever. So... The realization came to me when I was like, fuck, I'm living in a bigger cage. I still hate myself, but and I live in a bigger cage. And now this cage, what I want to do is I want to take Instagram and Facebook pictures of this cage and put put them up and have other people like and comment on my page. I mean, my cage, which sounds like page. (laughs) Maybe there's a coincidence, maybe not. And then what I realized was at that moment, I was like, I need to get the fuck out of this cage. Mm. And I started to like, look for ways to get out of the cage. And I tried all the ways, fucking all of them, bro. And then I realized that because I was looking for the key everywhere. Like I, I wanted to get the fuck out. Like I realized I was in the cage, you know, like it was that moment of like panic almost of like awareness. It was enlightenment, but it was dark, motherfucker. Like, the Mm. light was turned on, and I was like, oh, shit. I'm in a fucking cage. It was like Saw. Like, the beginning of every Saw movie. You remember those movies?
2: like a visual, actually. Because that shit is like... Yeah,
1: so it was the beginning of Saw. Like, I figured out how to turn on the light in the room. and, And then I realized I was in a fucking cage. And then I started to panic Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: then I started to like search and look and like, and, and, and develop different virtues and values because I started to look for things that I see as value for me as a value for me, for I, for this, for that, for, for what's aligned, because I would feel what is not aligned. Like my, my values were not aligned with who I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And the key is in the values. And when I aligned my values with my actions, with my words, with my thoughts, which is a constantly ongoing process, maybe, or maybe it's a one-moment process, I don't know, right? Who knows? I realized that the key to my cage doesn't exist, but the door is also not locked.
2: So this whole time you could have just opened the door?
1: Yeah. All of us can. Well, at least I did. I don't know about anybody
2: else.
1: I don't know anything. I'm just a crazy, (laughs) crazy man.
2: Just a crazy man in a cage. Well, not anymore. Outside of the cage. Well, crazy.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's... It was intense. All right. Segway. School, college, bro. Entrepreneurship. Um... I actually dropped out of high school when I was 14. So I was always in the gifted and talented program in school. Uh, They considered me really intelligent for some reason. I can see that. Uh, Well, at first they put me in ESL because I went to yeshiva my first three years of school.
2: Where's this? This is in in Brooklyn.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And they taught me math really well in that school. And then I went to public school. And when they put me in public school, they put me in ESL because I didn't have a public school record. And then I read their whole, like, wall of books the first week. I was just, like, bored. Like, I I used to like to read, you know? And I read their whole thing of books. And they're like, this kid doesn't belong in ESL. So they had me take a test. It seemed pretty hard, I guess. I was like, I probably failed. Uh, Hopefully, they don't move me anywhere. Because ESL is fun. I was the smartest kid in class. It was like, it's fucking awesome being the big fish in the small pond, bro. Is that the, is that
2: the what is the ESL? Is that a, like a
1: slow? English like... second language. Bro. No, 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 no. English second language. Like it's oh, people okay. that came to the country but didn't speak English that well, which is different than retarded, right? But in the United States, like literally why you ask that question is because they're put in the same category.
2: Mm-hmm. Totally.
1: like Like ESL and like special ed is treated as the same category and it's like it's not plus like special ed like it's just like people just that that just need special education they're not retarded mm-hmm. i mean some might be like in whatever that diagnosis is I'm, I'm i might not be the most politically correct person but um they're just people with like their are learning disabilities they're not really learning disability they're people that learn differently that are basically square pegs. And they're trying to fit them into round holes. Yeah, That's the fucking. Which that's, was, that's what special ed is. For the most part.
2: And I ask because that's what they put me in. They try to put me in something like that. Like a slow learners. Kind of thing. And my mom was like fuck that. She took me out of school. Yeah but, what a fucking crazy.
1: What a crazy journey to put a kid on. But it is what it is right. Like that would have been your journey. Uh, so. Third grade, I start going to public school. Uh, one of my teachers like shames me in front of my class and tells me that I did the homework poorly or something. And uh, I really liked girls already at this point. Way before that, I liked girls super early, bro. Really? <laughs> and uh, I, I, I like legit felt ashamed, like that, that she like she like did that in front of the whole class. So I made a, a rule for myself. Like, I'm never going to do homework again.
2: Uh, and I just never did
1: homework after that, after third grade. But I was still in the gifted program because I would score in the 98th and 99th percentile for, like, the city and the state. So they would still keep me in the program, but, like, I wasn't doing shit. Like, I would definitely was not, like, uh, I, I wasn't, like, a happy camper on the bus. I was, like, this bus fucking sucks. I just wanted to do hood rat shit with my friends like i just wanted to like chase girls and like pick up cigarette butts at the park with like the older girls and like kiss girls and just like hang out and like do hood rat shit you know like inner city brooklyn shit
2: <laughs> you skateboard um i don't know
1: why I nah said. i used to skate i did inline skating bro i did i had like uh yeah i had like oxygen uh i had like oxygens i, I did it for like like two seasons probably um I didn't enjoy it as much as I did doing hood rat shit. Just like punk shit, bro. Like gangs and like getting into fights and just like, that was fun for me and chasing girls. And, uh, yeah. I, I wasn't like the skateboarders and the fucking, uh, the inline skaters and the BMX guys. They were like, they were all over the place. I just wanted to run one corner. They wanted to like go everywhere and shit,
2: so I wasn't trying to travel like that, bro.
1: So Not that, unless there were girls involved.
2: So that's where you cut your. That's where you kind of like got your. What was the so you were you that's that, that's how you started your first foray into entrepreneurship. I cut
1: I cut my my teeth uh, selling Spice Girl lollipops in third or fourth grade. Because I found the connect, because they're sold out by the school. So I found the connect, and I would 4x the profits approximately. Good point. Uh, I knew it would like run out fast, so I tried to like fucking uh, make it happen. Yeah, Spice Girl lollipops when I was like six or seven, not nah, probably like seven or eight, probably like seven or eight. And then uh, I like little things, you know, like little things I would like sell and stuff. Like I would have like these ideas, you know. And then when I was probably like nine i smoked pot for the first time and it was really intense and then by the time because i think it had pcp in it but uh that's a story for another day yeah bro so i was like yeah so at 11 i just like you know i i i bought uh how much did i buy i bought like a hundred dollars worth of nickel bags Mm-hmm. like the $5 bags of like uh like regs for sure and uh and I would I would bought it at like half the price cuz it was like fucking dirt and, and then I just sold it. I sold them for dimes cuz it was like a lot, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It was like a lot of shit weed, but like I'm 11 so the other 11-year-olds can't get any weed so like this is fucking like hydro at that point, you know. <laughs> so I got that drone. You know what I'm saying? Like. totally, Bro, supply demand. Supply demand. Like like a uh a seven looks like a ten when she's you know, like when she's the only girl there. That that might be a ver- uh, a little bit uh male chauvinistic. Sorry, ladies. A little bit. Uh I'm just joking. I'm not sorry. Uh but it's the same, yeah, it's the same as like uh like when you're a kid and there's a fucking uh on the civic like somebody has on the civic like an old one uh but everybody else has bicycles like that dude is cool <laughs> so, same 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 for the weed Technology. uh so i that's what i started doing and then when i was like maybe like 13 i started selling like uh xanax And then it was like ecstasy and then eventually like delivering coke and crack Uh, by the time I was like 15, 16, like 16, by the time I was 16, because I already had a car. So I was like helping with deliveries with coke and crack. So then I had like a crazy experience and I decided I'm going to go back to school, but like I couldn't go back to school because I had like four credits. I would only show up to high school to like pick up girls. Like, I only cared about, like, bro, girls and fighting. That's it. So I went to the school because my parents uh, parents didn't know I was going to school. I wasn't going to school because I would make fake report cards and I would sell them in school. Sell them 50 bucks a pop. I would make them on Microsoft Paint. So a week before school, like, um, we would get report cards. I would start making report cards on Microsoft Paint and, like, a house printer. And I would start, I would start, I was moving those during uh, report card week too. So I was hustling that. I, was, I also started selling knives around that time, knives and like weapons, because I found like uh, a website called Cheaper Than Dirt. And because my parents were immigrants, like they didn't really care what I was doing. So I would, I would bar, I would use my mom's credit card. She would let me to like buy knives, because like she didn't really know what I was doing. She couldn't like read stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. um i would buy knives and like tasers like whatever i can get like legally like like brass knuckles plastic brass knuckles and i would sell them in the neighborhood for like three to five x profit because like all the american kids their parents wouldn't give them credit cards to buy like all the american punks uh and the knuckleheads they they couldn't get their credit cards parents. so so i was doing that and then and then i went to the school I, I, I was the first person to ever graduate that school in a year. school had like a daycare center underneath it was like it was crazy bro I was like last chance it was like it was like a last chance school. Uh, <laughs> shout out to City as school in New York City um, yeah like I hope I hope everything's going spectacular for you guys. It was an amazing program bro they like they really like took care of me uh, they like you get to like choose where you want to go to work. And you get credits for it right so i worked in like an emergency room i worked in long island in long island um hospital in brooklyn uh i worked in like um us a, like not like a, an assembly men's office in the village it's like older gay dude he was so cool i worked i worked in like a five-star french restaurant called chanterelle in tribeca i think it's five star could be Class. i have no i don't even know that that was how it was sold to me and i was like an assistant pastry chef uh, i was the only person that ever graduated that thing up until that point because she would just kick everybody out everybody was a mess and that's cool it was it was incredible it was like it was like the worst reality show you can ever like the or the best the best reality show you can ever have and then um and then, you know what? I decided I'm going to take my SATs and go to college because I put my parents through enough like trauma in my early years. Uh, so I thought I would make it up to them. And then I went to college and I went to I did pre-med. I was going to be a doctor, bro. Wow.
2: Um,
1: I did pre-med wow. I like a nutrition and biology, uh, like dual major, like a major and a minor. some shit. And then I started doing jitsu because fucking college was boring, bro. The girls were so serious and like everybody, like nobody wanted to play. And I was like, and I had like a three, seven, I had three, nine my first year. And then it dropped to a three, seven. Like I I do really well in school, bro. Like, I guess like I have a, a a gift for that, but I fucking hate it. Like, I hate people telling me what to do. If I don't think that they're doing it, College was whack. I didn't understand. Like I went to, so I went four years of that. And then I was like, I don't want to do this. I'm not going to be a doctor. This is, terrible so I um I pivoted and I went to nursing school for three years and like two to four classes before graduating I dropped out and opened up my own MMA academy in Brooklyn I burned the ships and I told everybody I'd rather kill myself than go back to school so I burnt the ships even
2: more what was the catalyst for that like how did the MMA thing just come in there like that that came out of nowhere
1: Well, I was already, I was training jujitsu and I fucking loved it. And I was competing like every week, every other weekend, every weekend, I was competing a lot and I progressed really fast in jujitsu and, um, and then I got really injured. You know, I had uh, four herniated discs in my back. Well, it was two at the time. And then I accumulated two more. I tore the rotator cuff in a few places in my shoulder. My ankle was torn. My other rotator cuff, I tore both my hips. Uh, my right knee, both my elbows, my wrists were banged up. My like uh, the herniated discs were in my in my uh, cervical area, so my neck was all jacked up. My jaw would get jacked up all the time because I'm from, I'm 135 pounds. Like how many 135 pound Americans live here? You know, like it, this is not a country for little people. Sure. So, and I would just get hurt and like it just because it's an accumulation. You know, it's not like like. Fucking fatality. It's just like like little micro disabilities. I like to call them in jiu-jitsu and uh, and I was like, I can't, I couldn't, I couldn't compete anymore. I couldn't like train because the doctors told me they wanted to like fuse my neck eventually, and I was like, I'm not doing that shit. And then I found Doctor Stern, and he put me back together. And while I was going to him, like I got the confidence to like open up uh, my martial arts academy. Uh, Him and my other buddy, who's definitely been a a huge mentor in my life, uh, Moisey, they were both huge inspirations for me to open up like my martial arts academy. And in my first year, we had 120 students and I was grossing close to 200 grand my first year. Gross. Definitely not net, but gross. Mm -hmm. But I also had like so much debt. So yeah, I mean, it was just like, that was the that was the progression. Then I thought of, and then I looked around and I started figuring it out and I was like, okay, well, if I want to like own my time, then I have to fucking, I have to figure out how to build a business that's like a, uh, a toll booth, whether I'm sleeping or whether I'm awake, it's collecting money. So then that
2: was the next journey.
1: But yeah, I did seven years of school, bro. So I know exactly what you're talking
2: about. Just to circle it back to where we started. I didn't. I never. uh, I never knew that. So you wanted to be a nurse. You're going to school to be a nurse, and I I didn't want to be a nurse. I was going to school to be a nurse. Fuck that shit. (laughs) I didn't want to be a nurse. I was like,
1: I thought I had to make my parents happy, and then I realized that no matter what I do, my parents will never be happy until they choose to be happy. So who gives a fuck what I do?
2: A lot of people do that. That
1: was the fucking realization that I had, and I was like. I don't need to make anybody happy like how how am i gonna make other people happy if i'm not happy bro at that point this was like i want to say well i'm 33 right now it's probably around 21 like 22 23 bro i was in a deep depression i wanted to commit suicide i i told my mom like i wanted to kill myself like it was that it was like that bad i couldn't like fuck myself to sleep bro i would have girls come over and we would have sex and like it just like it just, it was nothing. Like I felt like I told somebody once that I was like, I was, it felt like I was jerking off into these girls because like it was so empty and like I was empty and I was just like a shell of a man. And I just, I was making all these decisions that weren't, that whatever this thing is wanted. It was unaligned and it was telling me it was unaligned. It was like anxiety, depression, like physical symptoms, you know? And then I started to get more aligned, 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 you know? And little by little, physical symptoms started to go away, psychological symptoms started to go away, um, emotional symptoms started to go away. And then eventually things started to like balance out. And then eventually they started to, to feel a little better, a little better, a little better, you know? And then. Now we're here having this conversation. Where did, uh, where did coast? I, <laughs> I love how it switched to you fucking interviewing me, bro. I love this.
2: Oh, no, this is the thing, though. I love it. You know what? A lot of people know you, but they fucking don't know your story, bro. And maybe it's just me All being right. English, but, um, I no, don't
1: I get it. Cool.
2: Let's uh, do it. Other than, uh, the coaching, st- like the, you know, other than what we've talked about, like I feel like, and maybe it's just me, just most people just don't know, like who the fuck you are. Like they know who you are, but they don't. You know. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. and I and I do this shit. So. <laughs> I know. All
1: right. So God, ahead. God, ahead. What's the question? I was gonna say, where did coach? I just wanted to make sure I'm not take, I'm not taking away from your time, bro. I love you, and I want to like showcase you as an amazing human being because you are.
2: Well then, I can. So you know what I'm saying. I can always come back. Um,
1: no, but, no, no. I'm in surrender, bro. Go.
2: Yeah. Uh, where did fucking? Because okay, so when I uh, when I first saw like what you were doing, because I I had known about you before I had, like met you, and I I saw like your stuff online, and uh, this was like 2008. 17, no, 2018, I come back from Mexico and like, um, I, who's that? I was talking to fucking, I forget. I think it was Dennis and he was, I don't, did I know Dennis? Maybe I didn't even know Dennis then, but, uh, it was like after, no, I had known Dennis and I met Dennis at Tony's event later that year in April. And he was like, yeah, I'm doing this retreat thing. Um, I'm going down to uh costa rica and there's like this guy rome he's doing like this meditation retreat and shit and i'm like yo that sounds so dope and i had like seen you online and like you know how marketing circles are you see a lot of the same kind of people like in the same world um but like how the fuck did you go from uh, the mma gym to like opening like just going to costa rica like where where did that I'm just that seems like a huge jump
1: yeah so I was running this uh this academy and it was doing really well and then it wasn't doing well and then it started doing well again and then um this woman came to my academy and she asked me if she could rent the space and I was like for what and she was like oh we're gonna do a ceremony and I was like what kind of ceremony she's like ayahuasca and I was like what's that and she told me, and uh, I was like, I don't want no hippies throwing up in my gym. That's <laughs> and I told her, nah, it's probably not aligned, but I took her number anyway. She was cool. So then I'm listening to Joe Rogan podcast, like a few days later, and he's talking about ayahuasca. And I was like, that's, that's what she was talking about. So I called her and she was like, I'm, I'm fully, fully, fully booked forever And then half an hour later, she calls me back and she's like, yo, some, like, I don't know what happened, but somebody just dropped and you're in. So like four days later, like I only prepared for a few days, but I was like, I was ready. Like I was already, I was eating like raw vegan at the time for like a year, like two years. Mm. So like a year and a half, two years. So like, I was basically ready for the diet. And then I just went in, I had a crazy like experience. I proposed to my ex-wife the next morning. And then I made a decision that I was going to leave. Well, I, 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 made a decision that I don't want to live in New York. And then, and then it just like went to Costa Rica because I started doing research and Costa Rica seemed like the place, you know, like it was relatively safe compared to the other places to like raise a family. Um, it was a relatively rich country. Um, there was opportunity, like it was like it, it ticked off a lot of boxes theoretically that um that i thought that i wanted but like you know like you think you want something and then you get it and you're like oh that this is not exactly it it's not like a bad thing it's just not aligned with you you know it's like maybe it's a date maybe it's a food maybe you were craving some food and then you ate it and you were like "Mm, not exactly (laughs) you know right not exactly it's not a bad or good thing and then we lived there for a while and. I thought it was forever. I thought it was a forever thing. But it was also, I thought it was a forever thing because I have this thing in my personality where I love to try new things all the time. Like I, I'm a, I'm a visionary. I'm an adventurer. I'm a polymath. I have so many interests. And that's why I developed so many skills to pursue those interests. And um, society has taught me that that's bad. No, no, bad. Bad Try new things. Try new things, bad. Bad dog. So I would get stuck on things that I like. I thought I was emotionally invested in, and because I declared it out loud, all these people would like criticize me for it. And I just I was scared to like change. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, that resonates with me a lot. I feel like that's something that we're really aligned on a lot. Because I've done. I'm you not know,
1: aligned with that. Don't, I don't do that anymore. I'm just saying that was something I did. So we're well, not aligned. Okay. Well, <laughs>
2: we're <well>, aligned now. <laughs> well, we're not aligned, but I, I think that's... I love you, bro. I'm joking. I know. Uh, okay. That's just what I... I feel like the world tells you you have to do one thing and stay in that box. And I, I just don't believe that that's yes. true.
1: No mas. No mas. I don't want to do that because... it's not that I don't want to do that. I just want to do me. And doing me looks different all the time. And I don't need permission from anybody. I have a lawyer. I don't need permission. <laughs> a lawyer and a gun. Those are the two things that you need. And then you, you don't really need permission. You can ask for forgiveness, but you don't really need permission.
2: Spoken like that's
1: a... that's like, like a true American.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, bro, but like that's kind of what our country is supposed to be based on, right? Like freedom and then freedom to protect your freedom. Like if you're not hurting anybody. Why not? <laughs> you know, but there's like our country is also very puritan, so that's another obstacle for those freedoms. Because when it when there's dogmas attached with anything, people start to be like, no, like I don't like this person's freedom.
2: I only like this kind of freedom. Yeah, it's like the the con, constraints. You can have freedom, but with these constraints. Yeah.
1: All right, so another thing that I wanted to mention, the guy that I had on my podcast right before you a few hours ago named Sean Kolk, yeah, he's, act, he's actually building his own sailboat right now and sailing out. Like, he builds stuff. So you might be interested in listening that's to that awesome. one. Oh, That's like his next project. Yeah, for sure. Really awesome. Because when you were talking about the sailboat, I was like, oh, man, like, you you, you would love that conversation. That dude is like, he's crazy uh, in a good way. And like a really like, lots of interests, you know, stuff that like we align on, on that, you know, but that's the beauty of it, right? Like to perform great. But if you perform for others, it it all, it alters the performance.
2: Yeah. I think I did a lot of that. I've done a lot of that uh, with the, out of, out of, uh, wanting to be accepted, but that the acceptance came from like, if, if, if I do this, then you will love me. It's more of like, I just want to fucking do this. And I don't care if anybody likes it. I'm just going to fucking do it because it's fun. And I enjoy it. And I might, you know, nothing's prom- No, tomorrow's not promised to anybody. So I'm going to make this shit count.
1: For sure. So what's the big vision for Vernon? Like, where do you see yourself? <sighs>
2: That's so 10 hard. 10
1: years down the line.
2: That is so hard, man. Everything is so like fluid, you know everything's always evolving uh i I like your idea of building the tiny home. maybe I'll like build a tiny home in your village or wherever you end up buying land yeah maybe bro um maybe i i've 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 always uh Envisioned being spending time in different places throughout the world um you know, so in the course of a year, maybe spend time in three different places, you know maybe like Asia sometimes, the states sometime, and then Europe or Africa, or you know just i i i i what I do feel is that there's there's this Yearning for novelty. There's always this yearning for new, and I know I have to I have to be careful with that a little bit because, um, you know, that can sh- that can show up in the form of like, uh, like an addiction, I guess, um, to some degree. But I- I'm 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 always even when I was a kid, I was always fascinated by like learning and putting things together and build stuff. I'm a creative person. I love music, um, so you know like touring the world playing music and eating food and like you know like playing festivals and having you know doing this i love this i get a lot of joy out of just having conversations with amazing people uh just wrote my first book so um i i feel like there'll be more of those in the future uh because i think it's the best way uh the seven laws of mindful living is the title and um it is what is it about?
1: like it, what is the core message that you want to get across?
2: We're all soldiers of the same struggle, and you know like there's there's despite what may be happening in your life right now, uh, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I like what you said about like the external like it's it's temporary. Uh, I wrote the book in a very dark time. In my life, and which I, which you know, a lot of inspiration comes from, you know, some of the best songs, best art, right? It's come from uh, dark places, mm-hmm. and uh, with that, it was, uh, you know, I, I guess it's a, it's a, it's it's a soul manual. Uh, it's kind of the subtitle, and just a reminder of people, like if you're just going through the shitter, that you know, it's you know here are some things that may help you some tools some ideas um and it's a blend it's part uh it, it doesn't read like a traditional like novel or book uh it's kind of a part adventure part philosophy slash you know um uh yogi um uh, mindset slash uh just me man uh it reads like a personal development book uh but it also could feel like a devotional slash travel log so it's kind of a little bit of everything i
1: love it all right we're gonna do like a lightning round okay you ready
2: favorite Uh, food uh, the the, the, the ribs what kind of ribs pork or beef beef ribs homie first car suzuki sidekick nice Current car. Don't have one. The train. <laughs> nice. Which one? Which train? Which line? JMZ, baby. That's where Jay-Z got his name, by I the way. I love it. Wake up time. uh, Eight, sometimes nine. Sleep time. Oh, man. As of late, it's been like pff, late, like 12. Favorite movie? <sighs> Hard one. Uh, So many. The Matrix. Matrix. I love it. Mike Favorite
1: club? porn category? <laughs> what? <laughs> Are you saying? <laughs> Favorite <serious>? porn category? <laughs> yeah, bro. Why not? <laughs> this is not a real question, bro. Uh, you can pass if you want, bro. You can no, do what bro. you want. Latin, Latin, lightning Latin, round, bro. Latinas. Latinas sure. Latin? Favorite drink? Like alcohol or none? No, whatever you want. Favorite thing you put in your mouth that's liquid. Water. <laughs> I love it. Quit. Uh Yeah. Uh favorite sport to watch. Lacrosse. Favorite scenery. Mountains, ocean, rivers, like uh city,
2: mountains with a beach view, like looking down into the like, Oh, yeah.
1: Ooh, I like it.
2: I like it. Who who has that? Malibu has that. I think Malibu. Malibu. Um, There's a place in California Columbia. Costa Rica's um, got that Yeah Costa Rica for sure Favorite music
1: Favorite album
2: Fuck man Why are you gonna do me like this
1: uh, Alright not favorite album One of your favorite albums Two of your favorite
2: albums It would have, have to be the favorite
1: album, the favorite album. Uh,
2: Lupe, Lupe Fiasco Food and Liquor uh, Ooh, That's a good one bro Dangerous Minds Soundtrack okay okay with ll cool j LL cool j was on no. there hey. uh coolio was, what was it what coolio was it? Gangster, gangsters coolio. paradise
1: yes coolio gangsters paradise bro that was do you know what that was the first song that i learned how to sing or uh rap when i came to the country in 1991 really yeah it was like it was like on a tape yeah as i walked through the valley of the shadow of death come on bro I realize it's not...
2: that was my first And
1: then they had weird Al.
2: Oh, weird Al Yankovic. He he the <laughs> You remember he had Amish Paradise? <laughs> <laughs> that dude was hilarious, bro. Him and him and him and um Tom Green were pretty funny. I thought they were funny For sure, like corny funny. Corny funny for sure.
1: But but like but, but like it was different back then. Like like humor wasn't even allowed to be the way that it is now. Like, the shit that people say now is like so much more like dark than we could have even imagined it would go, which I think is great because it's freedom. Like, it, people can relate. It's not like buttoned up humor, you know? Right. Uh, Yo mama's so fat.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I remember, Tom- you remember
1: those, bro. Yo mama's so fat.
2: Oh, the jokes? Yeah, yeah, yeah bro, jokes. when you're kids. Yeah. Yo, yo, mama! What is it? Von Green, name? bro. He used yo to hump mama's so fat. He used to hump like fucking shit, and that was like funny. Like, oh my god, he's humping! Oh my god.
1: for sure. And then, and then we had like jackass. Uh, I mean, I mean that was already like next level, you know?
2: Yeah, they were wild. Those 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 boys were wild.
1: Wild motherfuckers.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: All right, we're going to start wrapping it up. I have two more questions for you. One, you're dying. You have a limited amount of time here. What is the message? What is the mantra? Whatever, whatever you want to call it. What do you want to leave the next generation?
2: Yeah, it's, it's your duty to define who you are or who you are and who you more so who you want to be and do that in a way that's 100% authentic to you with as little of influence as humanly possible because there's always going to be some outside influence um that that's your duty and service to your highest self.
1: You have one adventure left in you. You're dying. Your last adventure. Oh. Last experience.
2: What is it? With uh, who? What? Uh, where do you go? I would I would take like, I, I mean, where would I go? I would go to, I've always wanted to do the um, Carnival in Rio. It would do that. And then just, like, let me go out on the beach. Just, like, that's where I go out, on the beach. Just, like, that'd be pretty epic. <laughs> be pretty epic. Yeah,
1: like, with a bang, Literally, maybe. <laughs> I mean, you were just a carnival. I mean, you said it, so. I did say it. I mean, you thought it, right? <laughs> you lived it, bro. <laughs> you lived it. All right. Uh, where can people hear more about you? What? What do you want people to check out if they want to know more about Vernon? Uh, what project are you excited about? And yeah, let yeah, it rip.
2: Totally. Uh, so, VernonTfoster.com is where you can find me. Uh, all my social channels will be linked there. My book, uh, at the time of listening to this, should be available at That's the seven laws of mindfulliving.com. That's T H E and then seven. Uh, or you can just head over to Amazon. Uh, that's my latest project. That's what I'm working on. That's what I'm most excited about. And if you want to follow my journey, well, PLL. Well, you can just find me on YouTube, Famous Vernon Vernon Foster. You know, you can just Google me.
1: Just Google. We'll add all the links. We'll add all the links to the um the show transcript. All right, brother. Thank I you so you, much for joining me. I appreciate you. I love you. And uh, I'm really looking forward to following your lacrosse slash rugby career.
2: (laughs) I appreciate you, man. Always a pleasure, brother.
0: Thank you for listening to the Alchemy of Self podcast. If you resonate with our message, please show us some love by hitting the subscribe button and giving us a like. You can also visit our website at www.romza.com to continue your journey of self-discovery and keep up with our latest offerings. With love and harmony from all of us at the Alchemy of Self podcast.